Good morning, Chair City Church. So good to see you. What a great morning. What a great weekend. What took place in here last night at our uh, Trunk or Treat event. Uh, you know, this is it. Last Sunday in October. It's been a blast going through this book of Galatians. Uh, during these last few weeks, often I'm, I've been sharing events that took place in, in, in my life in 1993, uh, October of 1993. Uh, I do that you know, it's not uncommon for me to do that, but I've kind of been concentrated uh, these last few weeks about it. And one of the, the most significant was that in October of 1993, I decided to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, something that God had been working out in me for years uh, and, and stirring in me. I, I, I came to faith and believe in trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and that was a monumental that same time in October is when Christy and I also began to kind of begin our relationship. I, I've shared that with you and how, you know, some of the stories. And one of them I told you about was I sent her, it was early, like maybe after the first kind of like meaningful conversation we had on the phone. Well, yeah, actually, you know, without all the details, it was clearly, you know, something meaningful was maybe possible. And I sent her a, a gift. Um, I went into Hallmark and I I asked them, you know, what's something nice I can send a Christian girl? And, and they told me it was okay, you know, uh, you know, you could uh, send her this precious moment. And I bought it, 75 bucks, packed it up, and I sent it out to her. You know, it's kind of nice. Well, I don't think what I, what I haven't shared about that was I get a phone call, like maybe, a, you know, whatever it is, three, four days later. I don't know how long it would take in those days, those days, right, in 1993. Uh, but I got a call, and it wasn't from Christy. It was from a mutual friend. As I said, there was uh, couples that uh, had attended a church that I, I had, was introduced as a teenager to the Christ, and I had gone to visit them in my latter 20s. It's there that I met Christy. And, and this woman who was calling me, her and her husband, were, we'll call it youth pastors to Christy, you know, several years earlier, and Christy was keeping in contact with them. Christy's now in Bible college at the time. I still got you? Okay. I sent Christy this, you know, token of my affection, I guess, right? So this woman calls me up. She's my age, and she's a friend. I know her, I guess. And she says, listen, I, I, need, I need to talk with you. I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned, and, and we're concerned. And, and, and she's like, you know, um, you know I, I know you might have meant well when you sent Christy that gift, but, you know, Christy's really kind of very... You know, she's kind of quiet, and she's very uh, a modest, gentle person, and, and she, it's, it's, it's a bit overwhelming, you know? I, you know, she's a bit overwhelmed. I think she's a bit overwhelmed by it, and she really doesn't know, like, how to take it, like, you know, what to do with this, you know, this, you know, gift that you sent her, you know? It's an expensive gift. So I'm listening, and at that point, I'm thinking, okay, so, so what is she telling me? You know, I'll tell you what I'm hearing. What, what, what do you think she's telling me in so many words? Somebody tell me. She doesn't like you. That's it. She doesn't like me. That's it. That's where I She doesn't like me. What's the whole spiel for? Just tell me she doesn't like me. Or let her call me up herself and say, hey, I don't like you. You know, no more gifts. And I said, okay, that's good. So I'm like, yeah, fine, fine. So I get off the phone and I'm like, all right, you know what? They're going to make such a big deal about a stinking little statue. I'll give them something to talk about, right? <laughs> so, so here's a moment in our relationship you know, where I call it, it was a critical moment in our very early, early, I don't even know if it was really, actually, I don't even know if there was anything on the table at this point. I don't know if maybe relationship is a, not a good way of, uh, yeah, not a good term. We were just like, just getting, you know, introduced to each other. And, and it's critical. I'm like, you know what? And it one, you know, and also it's a time of clarity, critical and clarity. So I turn around, I say, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'll give him something to talk about, you know? So I call up. Christy lived in Newington, Connecticut. She was going to school in Barrington, Rhode Island. I'm in Brooklyn, New York. I call up a couple of real estate agents in Newington, Connecticut. I say, hey, my name is Dave. How are you? I said, listen, my fiance lives, her name is Christy. She lives in Newington, Connecticut. Right there, you, you know. I said, you know, we're getting married sometime like, you know, after the holidays. And uh, she's going to be on break in a few weeks. Maybe you could send her a package of some homes in Newington. You know, just, a, 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 just a, a letter letting her know that I've asked you to do that. So when she comes home from college, we can go and look at houses. 
So two of them send their packages of homes, and one of them puts it in there, in the package, just like, the first one just says your fiancé, and she's like, you know, because she later she told me. The second one says your fiancé Dave told me to send you a package with of homes that we can go see together. That's just what I wanted, right? So I wait a few days, you know, and uh, I call up. I call her up. See, let me see how I get her. She even takes the call, you know, and I have fun with this. And so she gets on the call, on the phone. And like always, I couldn't really, you know, I would, you know, I'd say, how you doing? What's going on? I said, so, uh, did you get anything? She said, I did. <laughs> I said, uh, so, uh, so what'd you think? She says, uh, I thought it was funny. I said, you did? Cool. She said, my, my roommate th- thinks you're crazy. She calls you Psycho Dave. And pretty much, pretty much that's, yeah, that's it. I, I think it's going to stick, she said. Uh, I said, good, but, you know, I said, but you're cool with it. She said, yeah, I, I, just, I just thought it was funny. I said, well, that's good because I'm, I'm good with that. And so in that moment, we then went forward. I, I, just imagine, we went forward. And, of course, in that moment, Christy got a good, clear depiction of my personality, right? <laughs> so, uh, but you see, what happened there was I could have packed it in, right? I could have said the whole thing. I was seeing the whole thing in a particular way because of a message I got, although be it maybe well intended, and I could see the rationale to why the woman made the call, but what she's saying is, hey, here's my interpretation. Here's what, and really, I later talked to her about it more openly. She said, you know, I never talked to her. She had never talked to the woman. She never spoke to the woman. She never shared her thoughts with her. It was just an assessment that the woman was making and which she thought was best to do to intervene and protect Christy. Right? I got that. I could see why somebody would think Christy needed some protection, uh, if you knew me at that time. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Now I get it. I didn't get it then. <laughs> so, but, but it was a message that really, uh, actually, well, it did have an effect on me, right? Uh, but, but it even could have had a worse effect in a whole. And you said, well, we're going through the book of Galatians these last few weeks, and it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to a church in Galatia, which is now Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And Paul had, uh, had formed the church, established it, left, and was, you know, keeping in communication with them as best you could in, you know, the early, early first century. And what happens is things are going well, and then people come into the church. Well, in particular, people called Judaizers. They're, they're Jews who'd come to faith in Christ, but we're telling the people in the church there, in order to be a, what well, they didn't call it, we'll call it a Christian, they, in order to follow Jesus, in order to be part of the church, what they were calling the way, you need to believe in Jesus, his death, his resurrection, that, that he's God, but you also need to follow the Jewish law and the Jewish practices. So it's Jesus plus the Jewish law and the practices, one of which was getting attention with circumcision for males. That's what you need to do to get to heaven. That's the message that they were giving to people. It was, a dist- it was, it was an incorrect message. It was a distorted message. Huh? And it was affecting the Galatians there. And, and a good number of them were adopting this. And that's why Paul writes this critical letter to set the record straight for them and for us. And he starts it out in chapter one. He says, whoa, I'm like astonished that you're listening to this. I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away that you're hearing this. After you've experienced Christ and all that he is, that you're, you're, you're listening to these people who are coming in and giving you a false gospel. He actually, in some translations, said it's not even a gospel. It's no gospel at all. This means it's not good news. This is pointing you to the other way, uh, uh, an insufficient way of knowing God, right? Now, and so in the last few weeks, we've talked about freedom. Each week we are using this word freedom. That, that living, we talk, saying that living out your faith, a trust in Jesus. You could believe in Jesus, but you want to have trust and have faith in him, Right? And that when you're living it out that way, from trust and faith versus being motivated by rules and obligation, right? We don't want to live out our faith from a place of quote-unquote duty, right? And thinking that by doing it this way, we're going to gain our way to heaven. We might articulate it that way, but it's kind of just what we might be conditioned to do, 
depending on our culture, our upbringing, our prior faith traditions. Like, hey, this is how we do it. And what Paul is saying is, no, that's a false gospel. That's no gospel at all, right? We want to live out our faith in freedom, the freedom that Jesus sacrificed, sacrificed his life for. Now, you know you're experiencing this freedom when you are in a mindset that you, you, don't, you, 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 you don't have to, you get to. Did I say that right? You don't have to, you get to. That, that, when you're in that mindset, you know you're really living it out, not from obligation and duty, but from freedom. So I don't have to pray, I get to pray. I don't have to read my Bible, I get to read my Bible. I don't have to give, I get to give. I don't have to serve, I get to serve, right? Which you do phenomenally in this place. Last night was evidence of that. I don't have to go to church, I get to go to church, yeah? yeah it's one of the, if you know the, the signatures of this place, when people come in, they're like, wow, the people, literally, I've heard this. I didn't expect to see people enjoying being there. I'm, I'm being sincere. They're surprised how glad people are to be here. We don't have to get, we, we get to be here. It's a, it's a privilege. So Paul is sharing with us in this book of Galatians the true gospel, which brings freedom, right? If, you're, if you feel that this is like an obligation, a duty, something that is just kind of, you know, laborious for you to do, then you just want to pause and say, you know what, somewhere along the line, I've processed this incorrectly, you know? Somewhere along the line, I've interpreted it the wrong way. Huh? Because really, when lived out, Jesus didn't give, God did not give the Son his life. Jesus did not shed his blood on the cross so that you would be kind of dragging this thing called faith along. But to give you life, an abundant life, and to give you freedom from that, to give you from that system of having to do things to, you know, to know God or to try and be right with God. You are free from that. You are free from trying to, which by the way, no one can do. (laughs) There's nothing anybody could do to be right with God. You're free from that. You're free to know God's love because of Christ's death on the cross for you. Now, Paul, and, and, and Paul is saying now, he, he, and after he drills that, he, he really does it passionately. When you read the scripture, I so encourage you to read this book of Galatians. It's six chapters. It's not long. But you can hear Paul's, you know, it's hard not to assume a, a, an intense tonation. You can, you can feel his passion, how seriously he is right now, and how urgent it is. And, and after he does that, the first, say, four chapters going into five, now we're coming towards the end. When it was written originally, there weren't chapters, it was just a letter. And, and he's going towards the latter part of the letter here. And he's like, okay, I got to your hearts now. I'm telling you what the truth is, bringing clarity. It's about freedom in Christ. And now he's like, I want to share another truth with you. And this truth he shares towards the latter part of the letter Begins in chapter 5, verse 13. And he says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Because we all have a sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Which, by the way, is a, ra- is a radical concept in that time, in that day and age. So up till now, in this letter we call Galatians, Paul has been, like I said, focusing on this matter of this false gospel. Now, what he's saying is, after he's told him it's about the freedom, now he's saying, once you have that freedom, really, I want to speak to what you do with that freedom, because that's, that's important. So he goes on in chapter 5, verse 14, and he writes, for the whole law, these Rules, these 660 plus rules in the Old Testament, right? The whole law can be summed up in one command love your neighbor as yourself. Radical concept. Something that they had known, but now were getting distracted from. Something he had taught that, something that when they were living it out was changing their life radically, and they were loving to do. And Enjoying the experience, now they were drifting from and going to these, you have to do this and you have to do that. That's the foundation of who you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And then in chapter 6, Paul tells us there's a way you live this out, to live out in a new way. And Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Well, another law? What's, what's the law of Christ? Well, in John chapter 13 verse 34, it says, so now, Jesus says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. That works. I've loved you. My Father in heaven has loved you. We've loved you. God, Father, Holy Spirit, we've loved you. Now, you are free to love others. You were made in our image. We breathed our spirit into you. You were made to love. You were made for relationship. You were made to do this. And Paul's saying is you have an opportunity to do this. You get that? It's an opportunity. Wow. It's not, a, it's not laborious. It's not something you have to do. If that's the case, you might be in that other gospel, that false gospel, that no gospel at all. No, no, this is an opportunity for you to live out your life in the freedom that comes from what Jesus did for you. You're inspired to love others because God has loved you. You don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to get drummed up about it. You don't got to psych yourself up for it. Man, it's the best of you coming out. It's the God on you manifesting to love others. Paul himself, he lived this way. He lived for this just a short time before he's going to, before he's going to be executed. He's in prison and he writes in 2 Timothy, he uses these words, I, my life has been poured out. Meaning this is what was in me. Right here, what Paul is sharing is what was in him to love others. And it just came out of me. It was poured out to others. This is living in freedom. This is the beautiful life. This is what God is calling us to. It's an engaging and inviting way to live. More than ever, because every year that goes by, we see less and less of this willingness for people to care for others before themselves. It's almost like we're going back to that first century when Christian began, came onto the scene. You, you see, it was really extraordinary the way Christians, they didn't call them Christians then, but the way these people who believed in Jesus, the way they lived. I, I said before that Roman historians, I'm talking about the Bible, I'm not talking about what, what people who were following Jesus, what they were writing, apostles. I'm, talk, I'm talking about Roman historians. The way they, they have these documents from antiquity that speak about the way they describe Christians were these people who care for one another in an extraordinary way. And they not only care for each other in a way that's unprecedented, but they care for people who, who, who don't even know, strangers. They care for others. And we don't know why. And I'm paraphrasing. This is what, this is how the church grew. This is what was so powerful about the church. And no one ever seen anything like it. Well, I think we're coming to a time in our culture where, wow, where light is shining in darkness, yep. Where there's such a great need and a great value for this willingness to get, meaning it's, it's very noticed more than, more than you might realize, and it's very kind of, kind of, it sticks to people, if you will, the word, the viral, right? It's kind of more viral than you might realize when you're living out your life to serve and to care for others. I remember when I, uh, you know, I'm not on, you know, the YouTube and the Facebook. I'm not on there a lot, but uh, maybe about eight, nine years ago, I was talking to somebody on the phone one day, and they were like, hey, Dave, you know, uh, you sound a little tired. I said, yeah, I am a little bit. He's like, you know what? I, I just saw this, you know, this, this video, and, and I'm telling you, here, check this link out. It's going to make you laugh. And so I did, and it made me laugh, right? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> and, and it made me laugh. And... Uh, and so then I turned around, I turned, and Christy looked like, you know, she, we both were having a kind of a tired day and a down day a little bit. And I, and I shared it to her. She laughed. Then I was talking to another person, and, and I shared it with them, and they laughed, right? And really, it was just about this woman who's walking in a mall, and she's kind of texting, and you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll just let you see it now. Go ahead. Here she's walking, she's texting, and goes whoop, straight into the fountain. Oh. It all went down recently at a mall in Pennsylvania. The best part might just be her reaction. Just get up and walk <laughs> away and hope no one saw it. 
No, don't worry, no one did see it except thankfully for the surveillance camera. And there's an iPhone app that does let you see in front of you through your camera as you text. So if you're really going to walk and text, try, try that app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was one of the early viral videos. I, I'm not, I don't really laugh and I'm not into the whole stuff with cats that go crazy on viral or, or apple pies or, or even people sometimes doing good things, but I can't help laughing stuff like that, you know? And uh, I got it. So it, it just went viral, right? Listen, when God does something great in our lives, and there's nothing greater than our salvation, there's nothing greater that he's done for us, that Jesus Christ crucified on the cross, that we would have eternal life. There's just, it's paramount. You can just start there on any given day. You start there. Wake up to that truth. Huh? Go to sleep with it, man. That, that when we can live out our lives from God doing something great, and we care for others, it is, such, it is so impacting that it has a viral effect. It, it, it really, it, it, is, it multiplies. We saw that last night by the way people were talking to each other, by the things they went out and put out on Facebook about us, by the private message that we received from people, by we, even leading up to it, by what people were hearing in, in, in Walmart and, and in stores in the community about what was coming. You caring for others, you're serving others, is having a compounded viral effect, yeah? Listen, serving God is not about, not a, serving God is not as much about what we do, but it's about how we love. You see, they get that. It's about how we love. They keep seeing that we seem to care, serve them before we serve ourselves. <laughs> we care for them. Like, there was a woman who came in and she was invited, uh, I think Roberta invited her dentist um, or her doctor's daughter, who's 23 years old, 24 years old, have three children. She invited her to come. So the woman comes in, is going through here, this with her kids, sees Roberta and says, they didn't, they're not charging for this. She's like, yeah, no, we, we, we just we want to give this to the community and the people. She's like, I don't, she goes, it's just so excellent. I'm so impressed. My kids are having such a great time. I, I, I don't even think I could leave here morally and not give you something. That, that, you know, with all that you're doing, the food, the candy, this, it, it, the cotton candy. That, wow. So she takes 10 bucks out and gives it to Roberta. She says, just please, just give this to the church. Just, just give it to them. Because I'm, I'm, you see what you do to people? Huh? Because they're like, wow. You, you, it, it, it's not just what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. You care about us. You, you, you th- can see you're thinking of us before yourself. You, you're thinking of us before your preferences. Now, we know we're doing this because we love them and because we want them to spend their eternity with our, their Heavenly Father, right? Our mission is to see them know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we love them because He first loved us and we want them to know His love, yes? It's not so much what we, what we do is awesome. It's how we're doing it because how we love People come in, they see the renovations. Wow, they're impressed. It, it's constantly getting the, the compliments still, what it was to what it is. People see how excellent and impressive how we do things. Yes, but what touches them, I'm telling you more than anything else, and we do all that to bring it to that moment, but what touches people more than anything else, listen, is when there's somebody they know that they see and hear, and then they know, wow, something has changed in their life. They have been transformed, Right? That testimony of a life changed and transformed for Jesus Christ, when they see that, when they're watching it, observing it, when they're seeing how that person is treating them and interacting with them, how they look, how they act, to God be the glory. This is powerful to them, huh? That changes lives. Paul goes on to write in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. It's one of my... uh, Favorite verses in all the scripture. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. There were a man, a woman. You reap what you sow. Which whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity... There's that opportunity again. Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of faith. (laughs) See, you can use your freedom to impact 
people around you, to make a difference in your world. You want to be living out life that way. God, I do. God, bring me that opportunity. Give me the strength to see that opportunity through. Remember, it's not just you. It's people you're with. So you can plant seeds of change, seeds of life. So how do you flush this out practically? Well, first, you want to identify your sphere of influence. There are people that God has placed in your life. God is sovereign, right? And he places us, he puts us in particular places, and there are people in those places, right? And when I say places, I don't know, I mean geographically, but even circumstantially. Look, you can't get to the whole world, right? You can't get to most of the world, but you can influence those in your sphere individually, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes, but we will not boast beyond our limits, him and his fellow apostles, but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned us to, to even reach out to you, right? <laughs> Meaning, if we come together, if, if we take all the influences of our own personal lives, and they come together, it's a massive force. That's what you saw last night. This one invited that one. This one influenced this one. This one influenced that one. And it was extraordinary. It was extraordinary. The police officer said, this is amazing. And how well it went. You see what we do when we come together as the body of Christ and we step out living in freedom, not duty, not obligation, and we influence those people around us and we're doing so from the love of Jesus Christ, it is a force. We are better together. So many smiles, so much fun. People who were working the doors, one of them said, I watch people come in here, like kind of, you know, dragging a bit. Some people, you know, kind of a little like indifferent or down. And I'm telling you, they left here like laughing and smiling, huh? Because they interact with people who love God and from a place of seeing it as an opportunity, love to serve others, right? That's what they got. We love it. It's awesome. It's a way to live out our faith. We love them because he first loved us, right? We are better together. Jane, uh, her friend who she invited, a neighbor, said to her, how do you do this? How, how, how do you get so many people so committed, so dedicated, so on point, so t- how do you do this? <laughs> Because we're not going to do it out of obligation. We're not going to do it out of duty. We do it out of our love of God, yes? Yes. Because we have freedom. We have freedom. We don't have freedom to indulge in ourself. Uh Uh-uh, we talked about this on the huddle this morning. Now, Paul said, you, you, you have freedom not to indulge in yourself, not to now satisfy your carnal natures, your no. That's not, not, not to have a license now to say, okay, you know what? Well, let me put it in these terms. Okay, so I was struggling with depression or my, mar- my marriage was having some problems or I had some addictions or you know what? I just kind of was, you know, going about life in the, in the wrong direction. It was a bit cluttered and disorganized, a little chaotic and unstable. But now I found Jesus and it's all kind of settled in and it's getting better. So now I can indulge. Or, no, Paul's saying no, no. And now what's going to happen is I'm, I'm going to try and keep this in place because it kind of got me here, right? So since it got me here, I'm going to, I'm going to, and I got a few good relationships. And, and then, so I'm going to keep it together with, you know, in an obligatory way, in a duty way, you know. You know, do some of this, don't do some of this, do some of this. And so, you know, we, you know, Paul's saying, no, that's no gospel at all. He's saying you have freedom now to go out and to love others, <laughs> You have freedom now not to satisfy your nature to so really seize that are going to wind up just evil or meaning apart from God or not what God has created or called you to. Paul is saying so spiritual seeds live out in the freedom that God has given to you that Jesus purchased for you. Live out in this freedom. This is the good news that you can do this. This is supernatural. Here the indulgence, that's just natural. That's your flesh. This here to live out outside yourself for something greater than yourself to care for others. This is the supernatural. This is where you're going to see things happen in your life that you could not fathom. It's from freedom. This this is a mindset. This is evidence that you are living out your life in freedom, huh? All right. So look, now, so God has placed people in your life. And some of those people are going to be difficult, yes? Come on, yes. 
three yeses. Come on, man. You, you got difficult people in your life, right? I got a crazy amount of difficult people in my life. I'm always talking to my wife about all the difficult people. It's quiet now in here. I'm always talking to my wife about all the difficult people in my life. You know what my wife does? She slowly turns it on me. And, and, and she slowly exposes me in, in a way of kind of saying, like, you know, it, maybe it's you and not them, right? <laughs> or, or, or she really, you know, lessens it and brings me out. So I can't talk to my wife about this because she, she really just, she doesn't take it in, you know? My kids, they won't have any part of it either. So I've got somebody who I think is sympathetic to my complaining about all the difficult people in my life. So you're only living being in my home. And actually, I think if you look at him, he's like, yeah, enough. <laughs> Listen. God has put people in our lives. And when he puts them in our lives, he enables us to meet them in their place of need. This is so powerful. It's just extraordinary. When you step out and you meet somebody in their place of need. I saw that last night, people coming through here. You, you just could see it on their face the way they were speaking to you. Not all of them, but, but a noticeable amount of them. That they were, we were meeting them in their place of need. I could, and I could flush that out in different ways. You could see how even just socially speaking, socially for us, the interaction, but maybe for them even emotionally, how they were so looking forward to the event. I mean, they came, they came in really, and by the way, really what we would say kind of appropriately decked out, impressively decked out. Like we, I was looking forward to this, right? Really some impressive costumes and garbs and like this is a big deal. And they have a night right now. Mom, a few kids, dad, mom, two, three kids, four kids. And, and to come in and to just go through the whole thing. Some people spent like an hour here. I'm not talking hit and run. I mean come in, get candy on one side of the building, go through all the rooms, have people talk to donut cider, come in there and go to a whole eating area, sit down at tables, have like a hot dogs, chips, this, candy, all that stuff, uh, food, then go into the second part. This was like the last stop. Then like, whoa, this is so cool. And he said, walk out like, hey, you know, we had a good time with my family tonight. I don't have to turn around and trick the bank account, man. Or I don't have to turn around and feel bad about not doing this and not getting that hot dog or not getting those extra chips. Or, we just had a blast, huh? It's a bit, I'm glad to do that, huh? They came in here with needs. Now, the greatest need they have, we know, is salvation. And I'm believing they're all one step closer to that because they know we're here, which some didn't really understand what it was. People have crazy concepts, crazy thoughts of, of what we are. And some of that is just simply demonic distortion. But now they know we're here. We've come alongside them. It encourages me to see how you care for others. It encourages me to see how you care for one another. Paul says... You know, do not grow weary in doing what is good. He talks about it as an opportunity, but then he says, but especially to those who are in, in the, amongst the believers. It does, to know how you visit one another when you're in the hospital. I know that was a foreign concept to many of you when we began this. Like, to, like someone's in the hospital, they're, they're in my church, I'm going to visit them. It was like foreign to many of you. Like, no, that's not something we do. Like, no, no, you do it. You do. You, 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 you care for people. You carry their burdens. Well, yeah, but somebody else will do it. No, 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 no. You are living out from freedom. You do it. And when you're doing it, you're like, wow, you're telling me about your experiences and what happened. I'm like, yeah, that's why I do it. Oh, I thought you do it because you're not. I don't do it because I have to. I don't have to. As a minister, and the way our bylaws and our constitution are written, I don't have to visit one person in the hospital from now to the next 20 years. It's in our bylaws. It's in our constitution. I have to preach. I have to cast vision. I have to train people up. I have to live in, with a, a life of integrity and character. And I have to make sure that people come to know Jesus Christ. That's in our constitution. I, people, must be coming to know Jesus Christ in our church. I don't have to visit anybody in the hospital. I do that because I want to. Meaning, it's in me. It, it's birthed in me because I'm living out my faith in freedom. It's an opportunity. This morning, honestly, I was having an interaction with a woman about 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. She's in the house with her daughter who had a, a stroke, 29 years old, on Thursday. Wasn't showing, was not being responsive. I mean, they knew she was alive up until now in the wee hours of the morning. And I'm like, 
can I get there to see her? I'm like, you know what? I, I got up about three, and, and you know, if I can finish it up, can I shoot out towards her, get back in time? And, and I'm like, you know, Dave, you're such an impulsive nut. You, what are you doing? You're going to make everybody crazy in your house. You know, you're going to be calling this one, do this, calling that one, do this. <laughs> I've, I've matured, haven't I? Uh, just, just for the record, I didn't do it to you this morning, okay? You know? <laughs> now, the day's not over, but... I did get here like 8.35. I got here late because I, I was texting her and spending time with her. You see, I go to, I, I go to see people. Why do I, I, I drive hours? In, because it's an opportunity, man. Every, when I'm involved in it, I, I see God's creation. I see God bringing me into places that I would never have gone in carnally or naturally when I'm indulging myself. And you know, I'm a, I'm, listen, I love, I'm a sports fan. I'm a cinnamon roll, pizza indulging. I, I'm a flesh guy, man. I love my food. I love to hang out. It's all cool. But I, more than anything else, to see, to live out my faith from a place of freedom, not obligation, to see God powerfully work through me and enter into people's lives and just care. It's when I'm at my best, and it's when I see myself at my best, and it's when I experience really the fullness of life and the fullness of faith. I'm so glad that you're picking this up and you're caring for each other. People have babies. You come alongside them. People in the hospital, you're visiting them. Even this woman right here, I think I can do this. Do we have the text? This woman I was exchanging, this is what she put up there. Now, this is my copy at 9 o'clock in the morning. I took a copy of this, and I thought it would be okay to put it out there. I just... One of the, well, that's not the one. We had doctored it, so they put up the wrong one. That's okay. That's cool. Anyway, so it says, Wendy has had some of the people from the church pray. She's come to see Carla. This is the woman, the young woman who's, you know, had the stroke. And watch this. I thank God for my church family. I thank God for my church family, the people who are coming to visit, people who are praying. Right? How, how awesome is that? Yeah, yeah. That's right, Keith. That's right. We're better together. People are putting themselves aside to go there, to pray, to go to see. They're investing in their lives. This is what we do when we're living out our faith, our trusting God from a place of freedom. When you get closer to people, you see their needs, and and you're trusting in God that he'd enable you to meet their needs. Honestly, I I have something called, what time is it, 12 or 1? I have something called what I call comfortably incompetent. It sounds good, right? When I walk into a hospital room, like when I walk into that room at, at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the morning, or 3 o'clock, I don't walk in there thinking, you know what, I've got the power of God on me. I'm, I'm, God's going to do something. I don't do that, honestly. I, I just think it's foolish. Now, I'm going to tell you, many people in ministry would be like, oh, how dare you say that? I'm just talking for me, okay? When I walk into a room, I'm feeling pretty incompetent. It's got nothing to do with God. I know how great he is. It's me. I'm just a human being. Heck, in the ride up in the elevator, I was, I was having like some argument in my head with somebody who just aggravated me in the, uh, in the, in the parking lot. I'd be like, God, stop, 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 stop. And now I'm going to walk in there and, and, and people are, are in such a delicate place in life, such a fragile place in their life, and they, they need something. And I was like, God, man, I just feel incompetent. So would I do that? I do comfortable. I rest in his truth. I rest in that I know that he has brought me to this place and in this time, right? And there's no way I would be here. I mean, I really, I wouldn't be here unless of the grace of God. There's no way. I'm the guy who sent this girl that crazy envelope to blow this whole thing up. I'm insane. You're pretty insane, too. You just, you just don't know it. But, but the fact that I can be here doing something, caring for another person, that's miraculous. I know that. It's just, and in seeing it that way, I'm out of myself. I'm humbling, my, and, and I'm just trusting in God. And I'm just going to be a servant. I'm just going to care and love. It's not what we do and how we do it as much as it's that they know we're loving them. We want to do it as best we can, but they, it's, wow, you love us. You care for us. You're there for us. It's how I approach every visit in hospital, institution. And I learned that really the hard way in the very beginning of ministry. I'm just coming in there to just, 
to just care, to love. And it's a beautiful thing. Don't let that mindset of that you have to be this and you have to be that to care and come aside and visit people. That's just no way. It's just not the case. And by the way, the greatest words of affirmation I get from people don't speak to my grand prayers. I'm just being honest with you. You could pray. Let's go. And I do sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Yeah, I've actually gone and visited with people and people in the room, I don't pray. Because I didn't walk in there with an agenda. I didn't walk in there with what I have to do. I walked in there to serve and to care. And maybe they needed a blanket. Maybe they needed some water. Maybe they needed for me to hold their head. Maybe their son can't stand the faith and he hates God. So I'm not going to do that. But that's me. I'm just there because I know I'm living out my faith in freedom, right? Not out of obligation, not out of what I have to do. I'm a minister, you've got to pray. I'm a child of God who's he worked a miracle in. That's why I'm here, huh? And I'm going to love these people, and that's amazing. And just the fact that I'm here, I know God is working through it. I know he's here. I know he's doing something phenomenal. So I'm just going to take step by step and just be the best guy I can be, huh? And sometimes I do. I've had somebody, we're doing Psalm 119. Somebody asked me to read Psalm 119. Remember, like 11 o'clock at night, I'm, I'm tired, we're exhausted. And they're like, can you read Psalm 119? It's just like the longest chapter in the entire Bible. All right, where was I? Somewhere here. Look, Stephen's ministers, we'll close this out soon. We have something here at the church called Stephen Ministers. Now, one, quickly, because we, we already had started a, a group of training for Stephen Ministers. I think the next one will probably start up sometime in the ending of January. But I do encourage you. We don't, look, we want you to do things together. Initiate it, get it out there, be in that mode of looking for opportunities to care for others, but know that you're not alone. We're here. We will come alongside of you. Prayers, resources, we, we, we do this together. And one of the ways we established now, about a year and a half now, is that there are people that are here that you, they can train you to come along somebody, alongside somebody for one hour a week just to be there with them, just to be what we call a ministry of presence. And you're trained on how to do this very effectively. So for those who want to inquire on being a part of that, there's probably something in the back of the chairs, there's something at the guest services table, grab it, make a call, inquire. Just inquire. Get some more info about it. But if you're in here today and you are going through a difficult time, if something like what's going on in that woman's life has gone on, this past week we had three people who attend this church, their adult children overdosed. Yeah. People who attend here regularly. I'll I, I stop there because I, I, I could just layer it out. One by one by one by one. The pain that exists in here. huh? Yeah. We're battling, man. We're battling for souls. We are showing up every Sunday. We are tearing down the gates of hell. We are, we are literally, we, we, we are trusting in God so that more people can say yes to heaven and no to hell. Yes? It's painful. It's difficult. People are in need and people are in pain. And they can turn around, whether their marriage is suffering, something's going on in their kid's life, they've lost their job, someone has died. If that's you out there, just ask for a Stephen's minister. They've been trained they have a group of people around them that are supporting them, supervising them. They've been praying and, and waiting that God would bring you into their life. Yeah, they didn't even know you. Don't be isolated. Don't take this out on your own, a.k.a. this mindset. I can do this on my own. I'm going to accomplish this my way. You, you might not. You're drifting over here. Yeah, that's right. You are. I don't want nobody to know my business. I am... I am, I am so not about that. I am. I am just so not about this. No, no, nobody knows my business. Yeah, if you ask me to be confident, I'll be confidential. We are a body of Christ. We are a living organism to carry one another's burdens. Not to gossip. Not to distance. Not to isolate. Not to try and gain where we are in the church by what we give and what we do. Not happening here. I'm t it's not. I won't. And I don't. We are all about carrying each other's burdens. We are all about caring for one another. We are all about stepping out there and being a ministry of presence. And we are all about 
confessing our sins to each other, opening up to each other, being transparent and saying we have a need and saying something's not well. I've walked into a room with my wife and done it before. Chrissy's walked into a room. This is who you are. This is what we do. You should too. This church, God's community people, is his gift to you. Huh? It is. Don't treat it in a way that you would, in a mindset that is not the gospel. Let people care for you. Let people help you carry your burdens, right? Know that God has placed them in your life. Huh? That's how they see it. So, okay, I'll keep going. Reach out, get a Stephen's minister. All right, look, know God believes in you. Know your sphere of influence. Meet people where they're at. And last, point them to Jesus and his church. Look. Paul says we serve others, especially those in the family believers, meaning we, we, I, believe, I would say this for any church, meaning you want to get people in church, but I do believe with all my heart we have a special place here. Chris and I, we talk about it. We were talking about it the other night, how, how we were fortunate that before we came to Massachusetts, we were in some really wonderful churches with some just precious, godly pastors touched our lives and we can look back with such affection and such positive experiences and, 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 and the churches and yet we say in all the goodness we have and nothing but really nothing good what's happening here is to us unprecedented of anything we've experienced it is the relationship, the closeness, people coming to Christ the community aspect of it it just is nothing we've I'm not saying it's never happened, I'm saying we've not experienced that and we have been around the block a few times we are better together. Point people in here. P- bring them into your church. Point them to Jesus. Bring them in here. It, it, the, the two do go together, by the way. You cannot separate the two. You, you simply cannot live out your faith in Jesus Christ without being a part of the church. Because the church, it's a community of people. If you're going to do that, between 70 and 75% of the New Testament, just rip it out and throw it away. I'm telling you. Let's just say safely two-thirds. You're abandoning two-thirds of the New Testament. God called you into a community of people to live out that faith, in, in, to live out that freedom in a community of people. And, and this is where it expands and it grows and it takes life where you serve and you give and you carry each other's burdens and people are reaching into your life and, and helping you. And it's so dynamic. It's so living. It's so powerful, huh? And we see that. I got to close this out. I see it, I, I, and I do, I see it. I, I see my, you know, Jason and, you know, going to little uh, kids' soccer games, you know, to, to be, just, to, just to care, just to be a presence in their life and, and an opportunity to connect with them. Because they're like, you know what? I, I just know that God is opening up a door. I mean, it's an opportunity that just... Just to think, hey, Dad, somebody wants me to be there. Isn't that enough? Isn't that so cool that somebody wants you to be there? I, I, it, it's a big deal for me. Look, before God, I'm Italian, I'm from New York, so just in case you don't trust me, listen to me. Before God, with all that I am, it just means so much to me that somebody wants to see me, come and see them in a the hospital. Somebody wants me to be there to, to help them. That's a, it means a lot to me. My kids, they're like, wow, and it's an, it's an opportunity, and we get to, a, a, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old wants us to be at their game. That's, that's so cool. That's awesome. And, and, and we, can, we can care. We can be there. I watched, I've watched David Tamian and, and, and Matt Ridley go to kids' games. D- David Tamian has five kids, man, like, like 10 or 11 and under. And if, and if Matt's around, that's like another kid. Matt's 26, for those of you who don't know. Maybe two kids. <laughs> uh, Justin was, t- was strategizing with me about we've had a group of, you know, a good handful of young boys that are getting bullied here and there. And, and, and he's, you know, starting to visit and get out to see them and spend time with them. And, and, and even other kids, it's an opportunity. It's not, it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity to get out there. I mean, here's my point. So when you're appointing people to Jesus, you're bringing them into this environment. You want to bring people into this environment. You've got handouts to invite people to this at the movies. We do this every year. We're strategically, we're doing it now instead of the summer. It's a great time to invite a friend or a family member to say, you know what? Again, you're just, you're just serving them. You're caring for them. You're loving them. I went ballistic in the first service. 
I always go back to that young man who invited me to go out to eat after church. I mean, come on, that's, wow. So not there, so deranged, so sordid looking. And, and to invite me and then take me out to eat. Never met me before. Never spoken to me before. And, and look, look where we are, man. You have an opportunity to serve and care for somebody by inviting them to come to our At The Movie series where we take their culture, where we take what they're familiar with, where we take what they've engaged in, and we go in and we take a biblical truth, a, a theme out of that, and then we see what the Bible says about it, and we give them a biblical truth. It's a wonderful time. Go and invite people to come in here. So listen, let's invite people to Jesus. Let's invite people to church, because when we do that, we are inviting people to Jesus. We want them to have more of Jesus. We want us to have more of Jesus. This is our mission of Chair City Church, to see people become followers of Jesus Christ. If you came in here today and you didn't have this personal relationship with Jesus, the one that I started in 1993, you didn't have this like, maybe you believed in Jesus, but you didn't have this intimate knowledge of Jesus. Today, you can make that decision. And here's what we're talking about. It's not about duty. It's not about obligation. That's not relationship. That's obligation. No, no, no. It's about freedom. Not being weighed down by your narrative, your thought of what life is anymore. Not being weighed down by your past and its mistakes and its sordidness. Not being tripped up by what you perceive the future is and its incompleteness and uncertainty. But just right now in the present grasping that God is with you. He's working in you. He's changing you and drawing you close to him. And that's a beautiful thing. And just pausing and taking that in and think, I need this and I want this and I'm going to follow Jesus. And God, forgive me of my sins, those things I did apart from you, but now I'm with you. And I'm going to trust in you and have faith in you. No matter what the messages out there that are distorted, that I've heard, that are warped, no, no, I know what I'm experiencing now is true and real, and I want to live this life out. And while we're singing this last song, just take some time and dwell before God. Listen, I'm just going to close it out with Galatians Chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. We do because we get to, not because we have to. And Paul says we have the opportunity. I want to share this with you. The harvest is, is here. It's here. We are in a time of harvest. We are in what I see as revival. I hear people talk about it, pray about it, write books about it. We are in it, man. It's happening. I'm meeting with pastors around. We're seeing things that haven't happened in 30 years. We're seeing people come to Christ. It's happening here. Last week, we baptized 11 people. Somebody came to Christ that was here. We are seeing people come to know Christ. We are seeing lives changed. We are connecting with the community. People are embracing us out there, right here. We are in a time of harvest. God is doing something great in your life. Do not give up. Press on, stay the course, know it's coming. As Paul said, in just the right time, it's coming for you. To God be the glory.